Hi, I'm Gavin Giovanoni, neurologist based at the Royal London Hospital in the East End of London. And today I'm talking to you about dehydration and bladder function and why I don't think it's a good idea for you to use dehydration as a strategy to control your symptoms. Um, this, my story around dehydration and bladder function goes back about 30 years when I was doing my PhD on a urine biomarker of inflammation in people with multiple sclerosis. And I noticed that the concentration of a metabolite called creatinine that comes from muscle and is excreted in the urine uh, correlated with disability. And I soon worked out that people with multiple sclerosis who were more advanced with worse disability and higher EDSS scores were, were more likely to have bladder dysfunction particularly urinary frequency, urgency, and urgency incontinence, and they were using dehydration to manage their urinary frequency and the other symptoms. And uh, and as I'd been asking my subjects to collect daily urine samples, it became clear that these people weren't just doing it intermittently, like when they're coming to hospital, for example, but they were using it as a chronic strategy, a daily strategy. Um, This wasn't new information because I found out that there was a literature on uh, urinary concentration or dehydration uh, in MS patients. Uh, and this was this went back to the 1960s. And Professor Brian Matthews, a neurologist in Oxford, had described this strategy to manage urinary symptoms in the 1960s. And uh, he had highlighted it in his textbook on MS. So I didn't actually publish any specific paper on this, but um, uh, it did come up because there was a publication in one of our neurology journals called the Annals of Neurology, where a, uh, a team had been measuring a myelin basic like protein material in the urine, and they found that the level in the urine correlated with disability. Uh, and, and so I put, you know, me and my colleagues wrote a small letter to the annual saying that, you know, they shouldn't just use the absolute concentration, they should ratio to something else because uh, what they were likely measuring was just dehydration, urinary concentration of the substance. Uh, and bladder dysfunction in people with more advanced disease. They, they didn't like my letter, uh, or our letter, but um, almost certainly the the, the myelin basic light protein material in the urine, which was actually shown later on not to be myelin basic protein, but a, another metabolite from bacteria, was irrelevant to a, a disability progression. Um, this issue was highlighted again because, uh, as you know, there was this um, debacle around chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency, CCSVI, where people thought that MS was caused by a blockage to the draining veins in the neck. And it became quite clear that uh, people with more advanced disease who were dehydrating themselves again to manage bladder dysfunction um, were collapsing their veins because of dehydration. And uh, the Cleveland Clinic group uh, would, would rehydrate these patients and their veins would open up. And uh, I was kind of vindicated because I hypothesized that CCSVI in, uh, in, in, in patients with multiple sclerosis was, was likely to be a manifestation of dehydration. And I actually wrote a blog post about this, uh, you know, during the, what I call the CCSVI uh, pandemic. Uh, anyway, that's gone, thankfully that's gone away uh, and it's not that relevant anymore. Uh, most people now have dismissed CCSVI as being a real entity and I hope um, nobody listening to this podcast is con- considering having any investigations or procedures to uh, treat CCSVR. Um, I was very interested because uh, a recent paper just came out from the Southampton group describing essentially the same findings that people with uh, bladder dysfunction, more advanced MS, 
and disability are more likely to dehydrate and concentrate their urine to manage their urinary symptoms. Um, um, it's remarkable how things in medicine or neurology um, uh, tend to be rediscovered you know, every decade or two decades. Um, uh, and people, be, be, you know, are not really aware of the, the preceding literature or, de, or descriptions around this. Anyway, I think it's a big issue because I have been highlighting this in clinic. I, I highlight it at meetings. I discuss it with patients. You know, that chronic dehydration is a problem in multiple sclerosis, and it is not a way and should not be used to manage your bladder symptoms because chronic dehydration has its own uh, problems. And I highlight a few problems that, you know, uh, you know that, that's well known outside of the field of MS, that it impacts on physical performance. So it reduces your, your endurance, it can cause muscle cramps, it can make your fatigue worse. Um, and it actually just impacts on your overall performance because if you're dehydrated and your body's stressed out by dehydration, it's trying to compensate for this and that impacts on a lot of MS symptoms. Um, there isn't. There's even some data uh, around uh, mood and mental health. You know, people who are chronically outdated have low mood. They be frustrated, causes um, uh, you know thirst as a stressor, and it makes you feel anxious and irritable. And uh, um, you know, if it's a chronic problem, it can actually exacerbate or make depression worse. It also impacts on kidney function, so it puts a strain on your kidneys. So you have you're much higher risk of getting uh, renal calculi, kidney stones, and it also increases your risk of getting urinary tract infections because the urinary concentration means you don't empty your bladder as frequently, so you may be, get recurrent infections. And um, it, it, you know, if severe, it can actually affect renal function and cause renal failure. So just be very aware of this. Uh, and then also, if you need to take anti-inflammatory medications, you know, dehydration is a serious risk factor for renal toxicity from drugs, uh, from nephrotoxic drugs, particularly the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So if you need to take an NSAID for any painful pain or something, now you must be careful not to be dehydrated. It impacts on digestive problems. So the more dehydrated you are, the less fluid you have in your bowel. So the more likely you are to get constipated. And it's also been linked to uh, peptic ulcer and, re and acid reflux. It can affect skin health. Um, so it causes dry, flaky skin. And if you suffer from eczema or have comorbid psoriasis, it can make things worse. So one of the uh, treatments that dermatologists use is to make sure you, for, for skin conditions, is to make sure you're well hydrated. And then there's the risk of heat-related illnesses. So dehydration affects your, reduce your ability to regulate your body temperature because you use sweating, for example, to cool yourself. So if you're dehydrated, you're not going to sweat. And people with more advanced disease may already have a problem with thermoregulation. We think they have, this is likely to be due to lesions in the hypothalamus that control sweating. Uh, and please note that this is a particular problem if you're on drugs that block sweating. And uh, and uh, this is a anticholinergics or antipsychotic medications that we frequently use in people with multiple sclerosis. Um, so if you're dehydrating yourself, have drugs that stop sweating, you are at high risk of being susceptible to hypothermia uh, from environmental temperatures. And this is becoming a big problem, particularly with global warming. So... I'm just going to reiterate what I've said many times on this MS selfie, is that a better way of managing your urinary symptoms is using an holistic approach. And I've written about this in previous uh, MS selfie newsletters, and I've actually put them up so you can go back to them and revise, uh, revise the self-management strategies. And the very simple things are you're doing your pelvic floor exercises. You know, pelvic floor 
is really important to keep the tone and function uh, as best as possible um, to manage your bladder symptoms. Have you deconditioned your bladder by not training yourself to resist emptying your bladder every time you get the urge? The bladder is just a muscle. And if you have urinary urgency and you don't resist the urge every time you, you get it, uh, and you go and empty your bladder, your bladder then deconditions, becomes unfit essentially. So you, if you're at home in home environment and you're close to a toilet and you have urinary frequency, you shouldn't uh, um, go to the toilet every time you get an urge. You should try and resist the urge and hold that urine in your bladder for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes. So you increase the time as, uh, to, to train your bladder. Uh, I find uh, bladder deconditioning um, a, a very common problem in people with multiple sclerosis. Um, are you avoiding bladder irritants or stimulants? The big ones are caffeine and nicotine. There are some others, but you know, if you are having urinary frequency and urgency, you should try and uh, come off caffeine and stop smoking to see if it helps. Uh, have you tried peripherally acting anticholinergics or myrobegron? So myrobegron is a new class of drug that relaxes the bladder. There are a large number of anticholinergic drugs that are used for bladder. Um, please try and avoid the old first-generation ones like oxybutynin. That those go into the central nervous system and make you co confused and affect cognition. We must use the new generation ones, ones that are excluded from the central nervous system. And there's a whole list of them. There's tolteridine, solifenacin, uh, um, atrospium, uh, etc. So uh, you know, I'm not, this is not a newsletter about the specific anticholinergic drugs we use, but look on your um, packet insert if you're on medications for your bladder for what type of bladder drug you're on. Um, have you had a post-micturition bladder scan? Have you had an ultrasound after you've emptied your bladder? You know, you may need intermittent self-castorization if you're not emptying your bladder properly. So if you have a residual volume of 80 or 100 mils or higher, you know, you often have to pop in a little catheter to empty your bladder to increase the functional volume. Have you had a chronic low-grade urinary tract infection making your symptoms worse? Do you have a bladder stone? You know, some people who get recurrent urinary tract infections have to have uh, a cystoscopy with a little endoscopes put up to make sure you don't have bladder stones. Have you tried the hormone DDAVP? Uh, the, 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 the name is Desmotabs, or you take it by a nasal spray called Desmospray, and this helps you concentrate your urine without dehydrating yourself. So this actually is a hormone that works on the kidney, causing the kidney to retain fluid so you produce less urine. Um, you can only use the strategy once in a 24-hour period, because otherwise it will cause water intoxication. Um, and it's actually a very helpful adjuvant to helping with urinary symptoms, particularly if you have frequent nocturia, getting up at night to pass urine, or you want to go to the theater or the movies and you don't want to get up during the theater or, or show, or you're going on a long-distance travel, be a train or, or in a motor, motor vehicle, and you want to have a big break between having to pass urine. This is where DDAVP is very, very helpful. Um, it actually can tr transform people's lives. Um, and if you are a uh, postmenopausal or perimenopausal woman, have you tried HRT? HRT, as you know, uh, improves the pelvic floor tone and bladder function. And pe pe women often report that, you know, once they go into HRT, their bladder symptoms improve dramatically. So there's a lot that can be done. And I'd urge you to read those um, previous MSL for newsletters that are relevant to self-management of the bladder. 
Um, and I, I, to find out more, you know, in terms of the MSL for readers about your bladder problems, I put up a short MSL for survey just to find out how common this problem of dehydration is to control bladder symptoms. So if you do have two to three minutes to spare, I appreciate if you could click on the link and fill in the questionnaire. Uh, and hopefully that will guide us in terms of our uh, education for our MSL for micro course we're going to set up. Finally, um, you know, this is not a comprehensive newsletter, so please share any hacks or tricks you've actually found out yourself to manage your bladder symptoms that I haven't discussed, discussed briefly in this podcast or written about in the newsletter. And then I put actually the two abstracts with the links to those papers I was referring to. The one was um, the one about hydration status and CCSVI, and the other one is about the... Uh, uh, the correlation between dehydration and lower tract symptoms in people with more advanced or progressive SS. And if you found this helpful, um, please share this uh, podcast newsletter with uh, other people who might find it might find it helpful, and uh, ask questions. There's a, a function on MSLF um, website to ask questions, and I'll try and respond to that. Uh, and if you um, um, if you found this helpful and you can afford to subscribe, I would appreciate it. Um, as you know, I'm using all the uh, f um, subscriptions from this uh, initiative to fund the microsite uh, and hopefully the MSLV book and uh, self-management course we plan to launch in the next, should I say, 12 to 18 months. It's, um, at the moment, it's in development. So thank you.